0: and believed to be the first U.S. major pro sports team to establish an opportunity for college athletes to align with him as a part of the recent rule changes that allow college athletes to profit off their name, image, and likeness. Game two of the NBA Finals tonight, the Bucks at the Suns. Suns lead that series 1-0. Tip is at 8 o'clock. Astros holding a six-game winning streak. Take on the A's this afternoon in a getaway game.
1: Rangers have the day off before they host the A's tomorrow night. Sports Center, every 20 minutes, only on ESPN Central Texas. Game time. This is uh, Stephen Simcox. I'm joined by Ward Whites and E.P. Garth. We're filling in for Tom Barfield. He was on vacation this week and on the phone lines. Uh, special guest. You'll get to hear a lot of him during football season across our family of networks. Pat Fulbright joining us. longtime uh, longtime coach. Also quite the athlete himself. And Pat, first off, we appreciate you making some time for us. I know, yeah, I guess you kind of had to do this for E.P., but we, we thank you that you're making an appearance on the radio for us. I want to start with. Uh, I know you used to be a, a pitcher back in the day, um, and I don't know how much you still tune in and watch Major League Baseball. But uh, you know, a big discussion point right now is they're cracking down on foreign substances that pitchers are using to get better spin rate, to have a better grip on the ball. Um, what right. do you what do you kind of make of that? As someone who's been around the game for such a long time, and understand the uh, the unwritten rules that come with it.
2: Well, I, I do still watch quite a bit of baseball, uh, Astros and Rangers especially, uh, and I kind of, I kind of side with some of those hitters that think, you know, maybe those pitchers having a pretty good grip on the ball and pretty good command was a good thing because maybe it's just me, but I seem to notice an awful lot of fastballs getting up on the head and even thrown behind some of these hitters. I'm afraid, you know, they're asking for some for some injuries. I don't think the guys were using so much foreign substance that they were getting an unfair advantage. You know, even some of the major league hitters are, are kind of thinking this isn't the greatest idea.
1: How, uh, how does it help specifically pitchers? I know you said you're worried about, you know, that, that loss of grip, but what exactly does that do? If you have a little something on your hands and you can grip the baseball better, Uh, does that just allow you to rear back and uh, kind of throw with, with your whole body in that situation?
2: Well, you know, the major league guys are the ones that are that are the real geniuses with it. You know, you notice every time a ball hits the ground or gets fouled into the catcher's mitt, they change balls because those those guys in the majors they can take a little scuff on the ball and make the ball do all kinds of crazy things. I remember Mike Scott back in the day when I was in college was was a, was a genius at that kind of stuff. But I, I think most of what they're using right now is, is just something to get them a little bit higher spin rate. Uh, on the fastball, that keeps the ball climbing, as opposed to tailing off in, in the zone, and then a little bit more spin rate on the on the breaking pitches, the curveballs and the sliders, so that they can just get a little bit more bite. I just don't feel like it was necessary. I didn't notice anybody that was getting just huge advantages over the hitters with it. And you know, I, I, the first guy I saw after they came out with the new, we're going to check every pitcher every every chance we get. Lance McCullers of the Astros is a big breaking ball pitcher. His first outing after um, they came out with those rules, he didn't throw but about 5% curveballs that entire outing that day. He went with fastball and changeup almost exclusively. And I don't know if it just was a thing where he felt like he didn't have the command that he wanted or what. But I don't know. I just I feel like they're they're making much ado about nothing, if you ask me.
0: Uh, Pat, this EP, I'm excited yes, about sir. working with you again. We did uh, some games uh, together last year uh, for one of the uh, Houston area internet TV stations, and uh, it was great having having you back. Oh, in I had the, a great time, yeah, yes. Yeah, and then we did that years ago when we were both at Midway. Whenever you, I had uh, a need for a color analyst, uh, you always were uh, willing to help me out and did such an outstanding job. So having that coach on the sideline you're going to be a sideline analyst and it it's it, it's invaluable because uh you know you know a lot of folks know a lot of things about sports but sometimes and it, it doesn't come across uh like uh, a coach's uh analyst work and so i'm again i'm looking forward to having that opportunity to work with you and you know well, university great. really well yeah you know university really well you you had some real wars with uh, Leroy Coleman through the <laughs> we years. Did. Yeah.
2: We did, we did. Uh, Ladainian Tomlinson and, and that whole crew from back in the day. Those were some, those were some knockdown dragouts for sure. Well, uh, I'm definitely looking forward to it, DP. It, it's always great to work with you. You're, you do such a super job. You make it easy for anybody that's that's riding shotgun with you. It's it's a great time.
0: Well, Pat, when uh, you decided uh, to leave Midway, you went down to the Houston area and you were the head coach at Angleton. And then yes, uh, not long after that, you went over to Montgomery. But uh, you took over a couple of programs that had uh, – they were in need of victories, and you, you left them when they were uh, – they had been – you know, they were winning quite a bit, including district championships.
2: Well, yeah, I guess that's probably why I got the job, is because they were in such bad shape at the time. I think both schools had been one in nine uh, maybe no ten the year before I got there. So it was kind of thing where you had to change the entire culture where the kids had to, to learn what, uh, what, what kind of work ethic it was going to take to really turn things around. And the parents and the community had to kind of learn what, what, you know, how things are going to have to be different. And we had to kind of get everybody, everybody all pointed in the same direction and working together. And, and, uh, uh, had a lot of success there at Angleton. Uh, it was, that was such a terrific community. Everybody there just rolled up their sleeves and pitched in, did a great job and had a lot of fun there. And then uh, went to Montgomery and, and we were in the process of turning that around when, when my dad had a stroke. And I ended up leaving Montgomery and coming back to Waco and did another stint there at Midway after that. So just kind of, you never know what direction life is going to turn you in. Never expected to be, be back at Midway. We Had another great five-year run there, a lot of fun. Just really been been very fortunate on all, all the kids and the coaches and the parents and all that I've gotten a chance to work with over the years.
0: Well, we'll be talking about that offensive genius of yours when you were the offensive coordinator at, at Midway, and you worked with quarterbacks, I understand, at Highland Park. Tell me about that experience.
2: Yes, sir. Uh, worked with a couple of quarterbacks. Uh, the one I worked with most was a young man in Uh Just a terrific kid and a great quarterback. Led us to the state semifinals. Uh, gosh, what year would that have been? 2013, I guess it was. Uh, we just barely lost out to a really good Denton Guyer team. It was led by a Gerard Hurd kid that went off to Texas. He, he, uh, he pulled a rabbit out of the hat late in that game. We had a had a lead with about a minute to play. And, uh, yeah, Brooks Brooks was, was a great quarterback there at uh, Highland Park. And, and the one that was coming up, the the young quarterback I was working with, was uh, John Stephen Jones, who ended up winning, I believe, gosh, did he win three state championships or two there? I think he won two, and then the Chandler Morris did 1-1. Highland Park won three in a row, but that was after I left. John Stephen was a freshman when I left, but just those kids were just such great competitors, uh, reminding me a lot of Brandon Johnson out at Midway. Just, just extremely competitive young men that just were going to find a way to beat you, and and uh, you know, <laughs> kind of like Roger Staubach back in the day. There, there's always time enough to win was, was his thought.
0: Well, one of kind of how
2: those kids were.
0: Yeah, Pat, one of our hosts, uh, uh, Matt Mosley, asked a question uh, earlier this afternoon on his show who is one of the best quarterbacks to come out of Central Texas in recent – well, in not-so-recent years, but, you know, going back a little bit. And I think you can probably name one, right?
2: Well, I'd have to put Brandon Johnson out there with anybody. Uh, That that young man could do just about anything. And he was special. Uh, Behind him, we had, you know, Josh Zachary and and, uh, um, – uh, Brett, uh, Stewart was coming in after Josh took us to another semifinal, but there were a bunch of good quarterbacks. So the Coleman kid over at, at university, you know, they use him differently than we did at midway, but, but that kid was special. There were a lot of good young quarterbacks at that, at that time. Uh, gosh, the kid out of, uh, temple, uh, Rogers, I believe it was, I can't remember that kid's name, but Rogers had quarterback same year as Brandon. That was just a terrific quarterback, uh, had a lot of really, really good talent there in Central Texas, late 90s, early 2000s. It was just a lot, really fun time to be there. It's kind of when Texas football was moving from being a, a run-only kind of a game to, to really a quarterback-dominated game.
0: Well, you can't uh, talk about midway football unless you uh, talk about that '97 team that uh, you were the offensive co- coordinator on when you set all kinds of offensive records. Brandon Johnson was the... Class 4A player of the year, uh, Kent Bechtel. The late Kent Bechtel was the, uh, you know, the yeah. uh, Class 4A coach of the year. So that that was a pretty special time at Midway.
2: It was. Uh, it was an amazing time to be there because we we really kind of did some unprecedented things. Midway had always been a competitive program, but, but never really took that step. And starting in 96 and 97 and so on, just – Really had a terrific run. The kids really bought into everything that we did. We were very fortunate to be there with some great kids. Um, you know, Brandon at quarterback, and we had receivers Kevin Brown and Chad Craig, and uh, running backs Charlie Collier, and and we had a very uh, a very good offensive line group that people you know really didn't get didn't get much attention. People didn't notice too much about them. And gosh, defensively, our, our defenses were just scrappy and. and uh, they would just get after you really well. Coach, really really get after kids. Just a special, special time to be there.
0: Well, you know, after that uh, return to the state semifinals in 1991, uh, something unusual happened when they voted for the Coach of the Year in Central Texas, and that was they gave it to an assistant coach and they gave it to you. And that doesn't happen every year.
2: Well, Kent Bechtel was pretty instrumental in that. He, he actually... Uh, you know, typically when when uh, your team goes goes unbeaten in district and goes to the semis and so forth, it's head, the coach of the year is going to be the head coach, and probably would have been, except Kent kind of passed the word around that you know he was far enough in his career that it didn't mean that much to him, and it might be more valuable to one of his assistants, and they voted for me, and that, you know I, I really owe that to Kent. You know that was that was a big deal for my career, and and uh, you know. Uh, Kim Bechtel was a special guy and, and gave me my first chance to really be a, a coordinator and call plays on Friday nights and and uh, you know definitely definitely a big mentor for me. We, you know, football in Texas really misses that guy.
0: Well, Pat, I'm looking forward to working with with you during the university broadcast this year. And uh, take care of yourself, and we'll see you soon.
2: Okay, I appreciate it. Good, to, good to speaking with all three of you guys, and uh, I'm looking forward to this fall. It'll be great fun.
1: Yeah, thank you, Pat. That's Pat Fulbright, uh, long-time coach at Midway and other stops. Also going to do radio with us this upcoming fall, talking university games with our uh, guy here, E.P. Garth. So that'll be fun to tune into. Coming up next, we'll do uh, what we do every day at 445, Ranger Roundup. That's coming up on ESPN Central Texas. This is the sound of someone taking a free test walk in personally fit Arch supports at the Good Feet store. Ah. Uh. Music to our ears, just like the words of Deidre and Dave, real customers who decided to give